Guys, welcome to Nathan K. Gingerbread Podcast. On the couch there, I've got Ned Ozkazim, Pro Direct Soccer Ambassador. Yes. Could we call you that? Well, employee. Employee, yeah, ambassador. Yeah. yeah, you are an employee, but I, am, I mean, yeah. you go and represent them all around the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Been lucky enough to travel a lot with work and do a lot of work with Pro Direct Soccer. And yeah, I guess I kind of become a brand evangelist, if you like. But it's a, it's a company that I loved as a kid, which yeah, makes it easy. It's not fake, you know? Like, I, some of my earliest memories are taking the Product Soccer Boot Bible into school. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because it was like a big moment when the, when the postman delivered that. Yep. And you'd come into class, ignore anything you were learning, and just be like with your mates going through it, like, I'm going to get them, I'm going to get them, <laughs> exactly. I'm going to get them. So yeah, no, it goes a long way back for me. I bet it does. Yeah. Take us back to being a child. Yeah. So you brought up in North, like in Leeds? Yeah, yeah, I, grew, I, I was born in Leeds and I lived up North until I was about eight years old. Yeah. And then I grew up, most of my kind of childhood, I guess, was in Hertfordshire. So Hemel Hempstead is where I went to school and kind of where I still play football now and a lot of my friends are like from there so yeah. Were you good at football as a kid? Yeah I was I mean I was okay I was never amazed and everything like that I played for Hemel Town which is like non-league tied. Yeah it's decent. Um, I always blame it on injuries you know everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, no I, I, I played football all my life you know like since I was I can't remember not being part of a team like genuinely I've always been in a team. Sunday side. Sundays uh, yeah midweek we used to play and the kind of like under 18 leagues and stuff were like when you're associated to like non-league clubs you play midweek and yeah yeah always and i still play sundays now you know so um i don't think i'll ever stop playing so take us back to to school because you're quite yeah. intelligent we discussed this earlier on right you're quite an intelligent guy i'd like to think so yeah you're quite you're coming, well, yeah. tell us about school so i mean look you're yeah. you're intelligent you did your gcse's mm -hmm. you went to you did a levels yeah i did my a levels went in sixth form i think like especially maybe even more so i went to school what like it must be nearly 15 years 14 years ago now. Yeah. I think back then it was kind of, you just expected that's what you did, you know? Like, you either went and got a trade. Yeah, you were. And I was, I've never, like, been a trades kind of guy. I'm not very hands <laughs> I'm the worst DIYer you'll ever find. <laughs> yeah. um, or you kind of felt like you had to do A levels. Yeah. And then the kind of the normal path, I guess, was then you went to university. Of course. And I think I mentioned to you earlier that I did my A levels, but I don't really know why I did them. I didn't, I didn't really have a thought process behind we're it. We're sort of programmed. You yeah. must go to school, you must go to university, you come yeah. out of university, you do a job, yeah. you live your life, you get your pension, you die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's not really the way to do it, is it's it? not, is it? No, not at all. And I think, yeah, so I did my A-levels. Like I said, I picked, I picked subjects because I thought either I was quite good at them or because my friends were doing them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I want to be with my mates. Like, so I picked that. Unless I, I did chemistry. I've got no interest in chemistry at all. Like, Never want to do Breaking Bad, nothing like that. You know? <laughs> I don't know why I picked chemistry. And I basically, after a couple of weeks, I kind of stopped going to it. But really? I, just, I was like, because I don't know why I'm doing this. Well, you did it because, I suppose, mm. was it because like your social surroundings, you didn't want to lo leave your mates, yeah. and all of a sudden just, it just felt like the right thing to yeah, do at the like, time? Yeah, and at the time, like, oh, you, that teacher's all right. Like, they're pretty easy going. Like, so <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, it sounded like, away it, with yeah, stuff. I remember we had double chemistry on a Friday morning, like 10.30, we had double chemistry, and Thursday night was, like local student night. So we used to go out and go to chemistry and I'm like, we just used to be hung over and sitting at the desk like, what are we doing here? Like, you know, and none of my mates ever used that chemistry. And in the end, I, don't, I think that's, I did get my like AS level, which is like the first year and then I dropped it for the second year. You dropped it for the second year. Yeah, and to be honest, like my sixth form, I kind of really lost interest in education. Yeah. And I think the way you learn then as well, like the textbook and like memorize something, put it down. For me, that never, I kind of, I really just, kind of, I didn't want to do that anymore. Like, yeah. I really lost focus with it. And that's why I didn't, I chose not to go to university because I generally just didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, I was like, if I go to university, I'm not going to really benefit. I'm not going to give it my full attention. I'm not going to focus on it. 
I'm just probably going to go out. Well, how are we supposed to know 18, 19 yeah. years ago what we want to do for the rest of our lives? No, completely. And I think, I mean, most people still now, like, you don't really know what you want to do. You have an idea, maybe a bit more by the time you're in your 30s or whatever. But, um, and what you end up doing quite often is something that you kind of stumble upon as well. So yeah. I think it's cool, like, if you do know what you're doing, great. But yeah. I think if you don't know what you're doing, don't really worry because no, true. you'll find a way, you'll find a path. And I think eventually, what you like will gravitate towards you as well, or you'll pull it towards you. How did you find your path? Because your first job was nothing to do with sport, right? No, no. <laughs> I, my very first job, so like I left, uh, I left school, how old are you then, like 17, 18 after A-levels, and I got a job in a law firm. <laughs> I was like the bottom of the rung, like filing assistant admin person, dealing with uh, like legal correspondence and stuff. And it was quite a big office, quite a cool office in the way that it was like a big company. Um, but the people were like all a lot older than me, a lot of like people that had just done law their whole life or whatever. And I was literally like 18, fresh out of you. <laughs> and I just didn't care, you know. But, I, just, I was quite, I used to have to wear a yeah. suit every day, which My was a nightmare. And all I was doing was like moving letters around and stuff like this and doing all this smiling stuff. So in the end, I, I think I did that for about six months. And I was just like, this just isn't for me. Like that nine to five, get into an office at nine o'clock and looking forward to your lunch break at one hour, all this kind of, I was just like, I just realized quickly that that is not how I, I can work. I can't yeah. work like this. And I didn't find it motivating at all. And just in the end, I was like, this just isn't for me. So I just, I quit one day, literally one day I just quit. I just went in <laughs> and I spoke to the guy who owned, the, who owned the business. He was really sound with me to be fair. And he, he probably knew that were I you, wasn't a good fit for it. <laughs> were you living at home at the time? Yeah, yeah. I was, so you had I was, no sort no of responsibilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a great time to kind of go out and try things, you know? Like, Massive piece of advice. Yeah. If you're young, go out and try loads of different things. Get a job. If you don't like it, leave. And I think a lot of people are heavily influenced by their parents in that sense. So if you have a parents that are very traditional, that they like, well, you've got to get a job, you've got to find somebody, you've got to have, get married, you've got to have a kid. Yeah. And I think that becomes like what you think is normal. Mm -hmm. And then you're influenced so much by your family and your surroundings that if you don't do that, you think, oh, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And I think that's complete nonsense, to be honest. Like You have to do what feels right for you and find like what makes you happy and what how you want to live so um yeah i don't think there's ever been a time now where it's easier to do what you want and not just follow a path that you think is traditional or 100 like isn't yeah. it so easy because now like mm. when we were growing up we were a couple of years younger than me yeah when we were growing up we didn't have social media no. didn't have youtube no, no. we didn't have places where we can go to find inspiration or yeah. we didn't even know where these jobs existed we're either, like presenting going on tv yeah. doing youtube whatever it might be like if you just said but, I mean, there's a lot, like, look at something like Match of the Day, yeah? Yeah. Des Lynham, yeah. he was probably like, he's like, oh, I could never be Des Lynham. But now, if you want to analyse a football match, just go on YouTube and make it. Like, yep. just do it. Like, and if no one watches it, who cares? And if someone like, does, someone will. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a lot of these guys that have had so much success from YouTube and stuff like that. You realise that when they started, mm -hmm. they had nobody following them either, you know? Yeah, like, sure. everyone starts at zero followers, right? Yeah, they do. Um, and these guys just kind of went out there and made it happen. So, it's, yeah, it's a great time to kind of be able to do what you want to do. Um, After you left this law firm, yeah. what, what, what was the next step? Did you then sort of you know, look for the job, local yeah, ads, so or what did you think? What, what was going in your mind? You needed, I needed to, like, some money, I needed something to do. Yeah. Um, and I was playing football at the time, but just like for Hemeltown. And I, I went back to my uh, Saturday job. So when I was like 15, 16, 17, like, I worked in a clothes shop. So I just asked, like, like, can I have some more hours, like temporarily, maybe? couple of months so I work out what I'm going to do yeah. so I started working back there I knew all the people there and I actually preferred that like way preferred that to working in a law firm like dealing with people dealing with public and 
a bit more interesting, like clothes and stuff. It's like it was a nice enough Discount little place as well. Discount, yeah, 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 good at that pumping all your money back into the uh, into the company. <laughs> <Yeah>. Uniform allowance. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I went back there for a little bit, and then I decided to go to Ibiza. So I went to work in Ibiza for a summer. What did you do at Ibiza? Just like the usual nonsense. Clubs. Yeah, like PR. Like so, you go and like try and get people to come into bars or whatever. But weirdly, I think that's actually a really cool way to like learn a little bit about yourself as a personality mm-hmm. uh, you learn a little bit about marketing in the yeah. rawest sense yeah you do um, how to speak to people how to approach people a bit of confidence and, and then getting knockbacks yeah of course which is a massive yeah. part of growing right I can remember one of the first nights like you're out there and it's there's no rules basically like you can work for anybody you're meant to like have a license and everything like that no one does like you just you just go to a bar and say hey if I bring people can I get a commission and they're yeah. like well yeah if you bring people in and I can remember the, the <laughs> we worked for the worst bar in the town <laughs> yeah. because it was the best drink deal so it's like the cheapest but it was a horrible place you'd never yeah. want to go there but the commission for every 10 euros that your customers spent you got two euros of it wow. so you're getting 20 percent. so you get a group of like 10 lads or whatever you're like look this is horrendous place but it's cheap it's 10 euros to start yeah you get 100 euros in you're making 20 euros for potentially five minutes work you, yeah. i remember you had to sit and well you bring them over to like the seat in person they'd seat them and you had to take the first order and you hand the order into the bar with the cash. Yeah. That's what you had to do. You didn't have to do any of the drinks or anything like that. You sat nice. them down, took the order take to the, the order, bar, done. and then you'd go on your way. And then at the end of the night, you'd come back and they'd have a tally of all the people you'd bought in and how much money they'd spent, and then you'd get your cut. That's decent. Um, and that's probably, yeah, that was kind of my first market interview, like first kind of foray into that. And uh, no, it was a good, good summer. And then I come back from that and I thought, what I did actually think about when I was out there, though, is there was a lot of people that you'd seen that this has become their life. Mm. they're stuck in that cycle like that kind of season there you go there to the summer then you maybe do a ski season or you go thailand or something for the winter and then you yeah. come back there and then quickly before you know it you're like 40 and yeah. that's all you've ever done it's dangerous that isn't it? yeah and i think for some people it maybe works like it's their life they like it and it's they live a happy life they're in nice places nice weather but i felt like it would be easy to get stuck in that cycle well, it and depends me, on your ambitions right if, yeah, you, if you've got completely. aspirations to go out and achieve something and yeah. people really want to do something, mm. then that's not going to be for you. No. But you know, for there's a lot of people that don't, they don't know how, they don't know if everything's possible. Yeah. They don't know they can achieve their dreams and goals. So they think, well, this is going to be for me. Yeah, and I think maybe there's, I'm sure there's a lot of success stories, people that maybe started a business out there, like they got a bar or they started a club or something like that. So there definitely is successes in that. But yeah. I realised, I was like, I don't want to do this yeah. long term, just for your health as well, it's not good. <laughs> um, so when I came home, I wanted to get a job. I was like, I need to get a job. I was still maybe like 18, 19. And uh, so what, the thing I did is I like, started to identify brands that I admired. And I was like, can I work for these brands? Because mm. I thought that's a, I didn't really have any qualifications as such. I had like good GCSE results and things like that, but I didn't have a degree or nothing. So I just kind of uh, found brands that I liked. And one of the brands that I liked was Apple. So I went to work at Apple. And I, again, started in retail. I went to work in an Apple retail store. Mm-hmm. And that was the only Apple retail store outside of North America at the time. Wow. So Regent Street, flagship store. Um, now everyone, obviously Apple is massive now, isn't it? Everyone's got an iPhone. Back then, the iPhone had like, literally just launched, like the original 2G iPhone. Wow. The iPad didn't exist. <laughs> like iPod was the yeah, thing. You know? like, yeah. We used to sell thousands of iPods. <laughs> And now no one has an iPod, do they? But that, that, was, so that was my first like, real, real job, if you like. And I stayed with Apple for seven years. And I, I learned so much at that company. Yeah. Um, it's amazing, like when you leave a big company like that, how much you realise all the things that used to annoy you, like red tape and processes, procedures. There's a reason they exist. Yes, of And uh, I didn't truly appreciate how much I learned there until I went and like, went to another company that's obviously a lot smaller compared to like, Apple's like one of the world's biggest companies. Of course. You know, so. 
Um, but yeah, it was a great place to learn. Met a lot of really talented people. Yeah. And I think that's when I kind of really opened my eyes to, there's a lot of people out there doing a lot of things mm-hmm. and there's no reason why you can't do this. That's such a creative people to be around. You'd have guys that were like working retail jobs, like, and then at night they'd be music producer. Yes. And literally they were, they were working at Apple because it was a good place to like get and meet like-minded people, yeah. but the discount, get your equipment discounted, yeah. but also the network as well. You can kind of meet, meet people anyone. every day. Yeah. That's right. And I met so many kind of cool people, just customers that would come into that Regent Street shop, you know, like it was one of the first, like, well, it was like the only place, you know, like where you could come in like that in Apple in the UK at the time. And uh, so many kind of really cool people would come in and celebrities, footballers, everything, you name it. Some of my first like, interactions with people like that were like selling them computers or That's amazing. started on the shop floor. So yeah, no, it's real kind of good grounding for me and I really so, appreciate that time. So Apple's a good place. So that, that sort of mm. kept you in good stead because you were there for quite a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I worked various different roles and I worked up through the company and by the time I left, I was kind of doing like business account management kind of stuff. So yeah. working with businesses more than with the public. So you um, literally just got your head down. You enjoyed it as yeah. well. And uh yeah, I wouldn't say I got my head down all the time. But <laughs> I think that's part of it as well. It's personality, it's connections, isn't it? Like you, you can make connections with the right people, and I made a lot of good friends there. A lot of my best friends now are like people I met at Apple. So it's really cool, really interesting. How did it come about the job that you've got now? Because most people watching this are dying to sort of understand mm-hmm. how Ned got into pro direct soccer. Because as every boy's dream, yeah. you know, like like you said, the boots. Like I messaged you saying I love a pair of those <laughs> eight and a half pairs yeah. of those Predators. They're in the car. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you know, it is a dream. I look at it and think, oh my god, I'd love to do that. Yeah. I think um, for me, I started doing my own stuff on so when social media kind of started gaining some traction, like Instagram first about and stuff like that, and Twitter. I just started posting my own boots because not for any reason, just because it's what I wanted to post. Like I didn't, so I had loads of boots. I always kept. I'm a bit of a hoarder in that sense. Like, yeah. I never threw anything away. So by default, I ended up with a collection. Whereas nice. over time, I kind of have collected on purpose. But before it was like. I just never threw anything away. I did not want to get rid of stuff. I kept all my football shirts from when I was a kid. Wow. Even like the ones I played in, like from your Sunday league team, I would never, I'd always keep my shirt. And I remember saying to my mum, I was like, I oh, don't ever throw my football shirts away. Yeah. They might be worth something one day. <laughs> yeah. um, so I've got, I just had a collection of stuff. So I just post it. And I think what was cool about social media back then is it was very innocent in that sense. Nobody knew like if you posted, a brand might find you and then they might send you something for free or whatever. I was literally just because I, I liked boots. So I took a picture and I put it on. My mates would give me stick all the time. They're like, oh, really? So many of them. Like, now they want to like, ask for tickets. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I used to post and they, they'd comment on it like stupid things like, oh yeah, another boot picture or seriously going to block you or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then it kind of just grew from there. got a bit of traction. And then I think one of the positives of social media is you meet other like-minded people. Mm. So other collectors would discover you and message you. And I remember like before social media, you'd go on forums, right? Like, yeah, you would. used to be a member of a couple of boot forums where I didn't really post that much, but I'd always read. Like, I'd always read the comments and see what the public perception is. I'd le- I used to love seeing like what was coming down the line like before anyone else. Um, so I've just always had that curiosity about like, well, sneakers really as well. Like, that was my kind of obsession. I used yeah. to play a lot of basketball and I loved like Jordans. I loved Nike basketball. And I always used to collect that kind of stuff as well. So I've always just been in that world. And I just started posting stuff, posting stuff. And eventually, brands did take notice because yeah. that was a new thing at the time. And I think my very first big thing that kind of happened that put me in that space was um, when Nike signed the England football team. Mm-hmm. They did a, a Twitter competition where they wanted somebody to tweet a message of inspiration to the players. And obviously, with Twitter, you've got the character limit. And the idea was, can you make something short and snappy that they can show to the players and I didn't really know what it was. I, was I remember it was on my lunch break at Apple I just kind of saw it and I was just like oh yeah just put a tweet in and then about a week later or 10 days later 
my phone just went off, like, just constant notification, notification, notification. I was like, what's going wow. on? And Nike had taken that tweet and they painted it, physically painted it onto the pitch at St. George's Park wow. and took an aerial shot with like some of the England players on it, like saying thanks to Ned Osnan for his like message of inspiration, like we'll, we'll see you on the pitch kind of thing. That's incredible. And that's an image they used to like launch that partnership. They did like a couple of things at the time, like one, uh, they went to one kid's school with, I think it was Jack Wilshire and a shirt and he tweeted and they surprised him with like, here's the shirt and then mine, but mine was like that kind of hero image. And what was super cool about that at the time, it just by pure luck, Google Maps, satellite view, oh updated, and that was on Google Maps. Ah, so, amazing. If you, so if you went to St. George's Park, the home of like English Football FA, yeah. like you could go to Google Maps and you just see my name like, and my tweet like, on the pit. It was there for like five, six years. That's they've, they've updated it now. But uh, that was kind of the first thing that put me on the map. Because I guess a lot of people would see that, a lot of brand people would see it. Yeah. And I started working kind of freelance with ProDirect. They approached me, I always knew about them anyway. Yeah. So I started like maybe covering an event for them. I was based in London, so it was kind of cool for me to get somewhere for easy. Yeah. Um, maybe I wrote a few articles, I wrote a few boot reviews, all that kind of stuff. And then eventually, kind of, I just enjoyed that so much more than what I was doing day to day because yeah. it was my r real true passion was football. Of course. Um, so it became, yeah, we kind of said, let's do the transfer. And I'm like, I'm working for Project full time. So that's like five years ago now. So, so your role, I mean, look, what you, do in, what you do on a daily basis, you travel a lot, right? So yeah. people love your work and people love that your work is so glamorous in terms of the way it looks beautiful. <laughs> you get to travel to all yeah. these different places around the world. You meet all the best footballers in the world. Yeah. What are the, what's the good things? What do you love most about your work now? Like what's, what's really fulfilling? I think what's really cool about what you do is Obviously, you meet a lot of your heroes, which yeah. is great. But also, to be creative, I love the idea of like coming up with a concept. Like, what can we do next? And I think with ProDirect, something that we're very proud of is like the content we create. I think it's some of the best content out there in our field. Like, we really do try and have that premium look and feel to what we do, uh, and we try to push the boundaries. So, a lot of it for me is that kind of creative thinking. Like, what can we do with that player? Like, or what can we do to launch this boot bigger and better than last time? So, coming up with those ideas, I think, is what really motivates me. Um, but of course, just kind of sometimes you're just like, wow, how is this work? You know, like you get to sit with a player and talk or even just seeing product early. Because like I, 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 I obsess with that. Cool, like people, yeah. I think, I'm sure you see if you look on my Instagram, like I genuinely have like a passion for the product. Like I love that product. Um, so yeah, I'd say they're the best things. But just to have that kind of creative freedom, I think is nice, you know. No, no day is the same. Maybe the same format in like, we're going to go to a shoot or something. But each shoot is very different. Each product, there's so much new product, which is a good and a bad thing in some ways. But there's always something new to talk about. And with football specifically, like, as you know, football never stops. Like there's always a story. There's always the latest goal. There's always a transfer. There's always a rumour. There's always something going on in football. Yeah, you've got to keep your finger on the pulse. hundred percent. I think I said to you earlier, like, I'm a little bit addicted to my phone like that, which is obviously a negative thing. But... Because there's always something going on. That's like, your work. Yeah. And That's I feel like the more you have to be aware of current climate, like what's going on out there. And, but to be selective in how you do that, I think is the real skill. I think what people don't, another thing that people don't understand as well, people look at your profile and people look at your Instagram and go, oh my God, I love to do Nez's job. Yeah. But there's a part of your job that people don't see mm -hmm. and people that don't understand. Yeah. And you know, it was something that we touched base on and it was the traveling. Yeah. You I know, mean, like it's... You love your job. Let's, let's not <laughs> no. take that away, right? You yeah. love your job and, and you love the company you work for. Uh -huh. But what we're trying to say is like, there are parts of it that are hard. Yeah, I mean, traveling can be tiring. It's yeah. not, definitely not glamorous. Of course. There's like delays, hanging around. Um, what I found particularly challenging is like, if you want to try and stay fit while you travel as well, there's mm. a lot of discipline involved in that. It's so easy to like, eat bad, not train, all those kind of things. And I definitely went through a period where like, you neglect yourself in that sense. Tiredness, you know, you just get genuinely tired. Um, 
But I actually do love traveling. I really am a fan of traveling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it can be a grind. But I think everyone has their own grind like that as well. Like even if you're commuting into London every day on the tube, it can be a bit like, yeah, of draining course. like that. Um, but yeah, no, traveling is, I mean, I've been lucky enough that I've got to visit so many amazing countries like through my work as well. So it's a great way to see the world. But sometimes like you may go to like a city and never see anything but a football pitch. <laughs> like you literally don't go anywhere else. Like last week I went to Munich. I went, flew in, went to the shoe, which was like a local football club, came home, yeah. didn't go anywhere else, but the airport there and there. You know? Who did so, you meet there? That one was with uh, Robert Lewandowski. So, wow. Yeah. Top player. Like, that's elite level for me. Like, he walks into any team in the world for me. Yeah. Like, and very, like, that's, and number nine, like, I'm a striker myself. I love, so that's a guy that I would look up to and think, like, that's the pinnacle, you know? Like, I've seen you play football, right? Yeah. I know you can play, and you can play well, really well. When you were a child, did you not want to be a footballer? Like, of course. we all did. 100%. Like, and it's so funny you say that. So I reckon, I've always wanted to be a footballer. That was like, if you'd have asked me up until I was like 19, 20, I'd probably still said, oh yeah, I'm going to be a footballer. I want to be a footballer. Yeah. I was probably never good enough to like, ever be like an elite level. Why do you say that? Um, do you think people around you said you might not be good enough? Probably, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's true though. No, I, I think, um, I don't know really. It's a good question. I think when you, when you grow up, I think there is a point where you realise, did I want it bad enough? That's probably the answer. And funny, because my dad, I remember my dad telling me this when I was young. He said, I think you like the idea of being a footballer more than you want to be a footballer. Mm. And uh, I think he was probably right. And I remember him talking to, because I always, the same thing, this is when I was like 12, 13, even younger probably, I always wanted new boots. <laughs> I just always, and he, he, I remember him like saying, like, why do you want new boots? I was like, oh, I want to be a footballer. And he's like, well, I think you just want the boots. Yeah. Like, and I think people forget that. To, these guys that are elite footballers nowadays, so disciplined. They've been through such a journey. You, know? like, you don't just wake up and be that good. Like, you have to commit and you have to be disciplined and you have to sacrifice as well. There's very few players that have just naturally talented like that. And they've just been lucky that they've been picked up by a club and then gone there and gone there. People really don't appreciate, I don't think, how much these athletes have worked and how hard they've kind of gone through a process to become the best in their field. And when you think about how many players are in the Premier League, I don't know, like 23-man squad, 20, 20 clubs couple of academies. That's a very small section of the population. Of like Because it it's now a global game as well. You can get a player from anywhere. Yep. So those guys are the best. So when you sit at home on the sofa on the couch with a dominoes and be like, oh, he's trash. <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> Come luck. on, like, yeah. These guys are really seriously They're the they're, top they're pure, pure, 100% top yeah. of the game athletes. Yeah, yeah. Give me an idea of like the dedication and sort of sacrifices you've had to make in order to sort of get to where you get to, you've got to. Um, maybe just things like time, you know, like you give up a lot of time. Over the years, even things like, I mean, it sounds silly, but I take all my boots down to the field when I was a kid like, yeah. and take photographs to put on your Instagram. That kind of thing, like people would be like, what are you doing that for? But in the end, it led to me having like a career in an industry that I love, you know? Yeah. And uh, I've, I don't think I've, I've probably been lucky in a sense. I haven't really sacrificed too much. I've always been able to kind of do what I wanted, which, is, which I feel like lucky to do that. Um, but it is a lot of time and... Uh, Knowledge. I'm a big fan of like knowledge. Like you have to read things. You know, like go and if you want to know something, yeah, you're not just gonna. No one's gonna just give you all the information. Go discover it. Like. But it's learning something that you enjoy. Yeah, so it doesn't That's feel like different. learning. Yeah, like I'm, I'm actually like that as a personality. If I get into something new, mm. I obsess it. Like I literally will start reading everything about it, and it drives like people mad because <laughs> like, I want to know everything. Because you know, like when you talk to somebody about something, like I think a little knowledge is dangerous mm. like because people have an opinion so easily they do and you know when you speak to somebody and like say you're very knowledgeable in a field and someone's speaking to you about that field and you know they know nothing yeah but they're like 
talking away, talking away, talking away. It's just what they've heard. Exactly. And uh, so, yeah, I, I'm very con conscious of that. And I, if I get into something, I really do obsess it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I did, like, with football boots as a kid. And now, hopefully, with, like, football as an industry and in business as well. Like, I like to... But maybe that makes me too cautious sometimes. Mm. Because sometimes, as you say, you just got to go do something. Like, yeah. you can never just... There's never a right time. There's never a perfect moment. Do you feel like you analyse everything too much? Oh, analytical, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes... That stops you sort of taking well, that risk and... Analysis paralysis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like where you literally, you're so analytical about something that you don't do anything. Yeah. And that becomes dangerous as well because then be. you miss an opportunity or someone else is going to do it before you. But you're aware of that. Yes. That's the difference. Yes, yeah. I, I definitely see it in myself. Because um, I think I just want to, if I do something, I want to do it well. Yeah. But then you start learning and learning. You can never stop like getting knowledge on a certain. Try and be a perfectionist. Yeah, what a you little do. bit. Yeah. And there's no um, such thing as I don't think there's anything su such thing as perfection. No, I don't believe sure. in it. I think you could because everything can always improve. Yeah. Because no matter this is a thing. People trying to get to the top of the game, but there's always something that's going to surpass you, right? So it can never. Yeah. To me, it can never be perfect. No. No, you're right. Um, and you just got to keep. I mean, I think if you find something that you enjoy like that and you can keep pushing the boundary on it, you can always be a, a percent better. Yeah. I don't think anyone out there will ever say, like, oh, no, I perfected that. Yeah. Like, you speak to Cristiano Ronaldo, he's not going to ever say his game is perfect. Of course. He knows that there's a 1% game. And that's what makes these guys elite, you know? Like, that's what drives them to level up. Before we get to the footballers you've met, do you remember your first pair of boots? Of course, yeah, what, yeah. What, what were they? I had a pair of Puma boots. My very first pair of Puma boots, probably bought because you needed them for school, like for PE or yeah. something like that. Or maybe I... When I was joining the football team. I was very young. I was like five. Well, your parents were nice with a pair of Pumas. I had a pair of Gola. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gola's fine, you know? They must have been around. But I think that shows you like how much boots have changed because the brands that people bought back then were very different, you know? Yeah. Like in that kind of like early 90s era and you didn't really have a choice because they were all black leather boots with six studs and then like a logo of some kind on the That's side it, in yeah, white, true. right? Yeah. So whether it was a Puma form stripe, whether it was free stripes from Adidas, they're all pretty much like this similar looking feel, but yeah, I remember the Golas as well. What was, growing up, there's always a pair of boots that stick in my mind. Is there a pair of boots when you were growing up? Between sort of the age of 10 and maybe yeah. 15, was there a pair of boots that sticks in your mind? I've, I can tell you everything about it. I can tell you about the day I got them. <laughs> tell me. Yeah, so I mean, I'm a Manchester United fan and David Beckham was like my, my idol, you know, like I loved Beckham, everything was Beckham. Yeah. And so I'm looking at Adidas Predator Accelerator <laughs> in red. This is like 1998. Um, so how I'd been 10 and I was visiting my dad in Leeds and went to this sports shop and they had them in there and I just, my feet had just got to the point where I could buy adult boots because back then the kids boots obviously were not quite the same and even today like they're not, you don't always get the kids boots in the same as the elite adult boot right. Yeah. So I remember going in this shop and they had them like there, like I was just like, I had them in my hand and they were like, so expensive at the time and I remember like, and you're a kid, your feet grow so quick and they were 120 pounds and I can remember saying to my dad, I'll go back cool, a little mate. bit. Yeah, go on. So I can remember like seeing them on a the shelf. They were so expensive at the time, like 120 pounds, but I had to have them. I can, <laughs> I can literally remember like having them in my hand. And in this shop they had, it was a shop called Sports Shoes in, a, I think it was in Bradford. And they had uh, one of those like goals with a speedometer in it, yeah. where you could like kick a penalty and it'd give you a, a rating. It's a massive sports shop. So I remember when I first got in there, I'd just done that. As a kid, you had to, <laughs> you had to right? of yeah. course. So I had a score and then, um, I just wouldn't leave the shop. I had the boots in my hand and my dad was like, come on, let's go, let's go. I was like, no, 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 I have to have these. Yeah. And he, like, he couldn't afford them. I was like, come on, like, no, let's go. And I, I, I was probably a nightmare. Like, I, I wouldn't go. <laughs> I would have been sulking. I wouldn't, let, I wouldn't like, let them out of my hand. 
So You're then, obsessed. And then I remember my dad said to me, he goes, well, again, like, why do you want him? I was like, I need them, like, the football, because Beckham. Yeah. So it's his fault. And then uh, I was, he was like, okay, well, if you can prove to me they make you a better footballer, I'll buy them for you. Ooh. And I was like, so I tried them on, and then I had the speedometer thing, and he said, like, if you get a faster result, then I, like, you can have them as like a reward. Like, I mean, That's amazing. I've never kicked the ball so hard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, that was so, um, so in the end he bought them for me, probably bankrupted himself in the process. And they were my first like proper elite level, like men's boots that I just obsessed. And like, they were the best boots I ever had. And um, yeah, that was my first kind of real kind of cherished item. I remember sitting in the car like after getting them, just holding them, oh and, like, looking and box, everything like placing them. What a in. great feeling to have! Eh? Yeah, yeah, and that was uh, that was kind of where it all began for me. I think so. That story, I never forget that day, like getting them like that. So we've gone through your like your most iconic pair of boots. Yeah. Ask Predator still your favourite pair of boots. Uh, uh, if you can't say too much, but I mean, if no, you, I, they're not. Like, they're not. No, no I'm. Predator, like, so there are certain Predators that are some of my favourite boots of all time. So Predator Accelerator, Predator Mania. I think anyone who knows boots will tell you like they're two of the most kind of iconic boot designs ever. Yeah. But for me, I've kind of always been a fan of uh, Nike Mercurials. Oh, so nice boots. Mercurials were always kind of like the boot I wore. And uh, I suppose for you now, you can just wear any pair of boots, right? And you can sort of see the benefits of all of them, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, because all like there's a lot of great boots out there at the moment. Sure. Um, Let's, let's take away from boots, because just in case... Yeah, very yeah, very yeah. niche. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, of course. Um, what is it that you want to do? So obviously, look, you have an un unbelievable job. You get to meet some unbelievable footballers, right? Yep. Met Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, a few Kicked times. a ball with him a few times. Yeah. What's he like? As a, like? What was he like as a guy? Because people will look at him and think, oh, he's, he's hey, this, he's that. Incredible. Absolutely incredible human being. Like, honestly, and like, again after Beckham, Ronaldo was kind of like my hero. So I remember the first time like, I met him in a room and interviewed him. It was yeah. like, it's a complete surreal moment, you know? Like, this is the guy, I used to have his picture as my MSN profile picture. <laughs> like, and he's only a few years older than me, right? He was 85, I think he was born, I'm he's, 88. So he's 34, 35, yeah. yeah. Only a few years older than me, but like, so to be in a, like that situation where you're talking and talking about his career or everything, was, yeah, it's just completely surreal. But he's a guy that like, when he comes in the room immediately, the energy, you just like, he has that aura about him. Like, these elite level people have that. Like, yeah. I think you see that in life. When you meet somebody who's successful or somebody that you, has a positive impact on a room, you immediately just, the attention is like on them, you know? And he's somebody I think that like, really embraces that. I'm sure you can tell like his personality wise, he is a big character. Yeah. Um, but complete professional as well, complete dedication, you know? He knows what he's there to do. And I think this is something that I always think about when, when you meet somebody as high profile, as, I mean, biggest athlete in the world, I would say, is I think people have an expectation that like they're your friend, when in reality they're not your friend. Like because you know everything about that person, yeah. you feel like this like oh we're friends, but they don't know anything about you. Can you imagine every time you met somebody, they knew everything about you and you knew nothing. And yeah, and I think that's quite surreal for them. Yeah. So I always kind of have a different. As long as people are like polite and respectful, I think that's like that's a minimum requirement. You know, like to become someone's friend takes time. It does like how you are with anybody day to day, you should always be polite and respectful, but to have that relationship where you feel like comfortable to talk and open up, it takes time to nurture that relationship, you know? So I always think about how weird that must be. Like literally you'll know everything about that person. It's crazy. You can tell them anything. Like you probably know the as much about names them. Exactly. Yeah. How weird would that be? But these guys are going through that every single day. So. How much they earn. Yeah, yes. <laughs> any, like, any problems in their relationship, all this kind of stuff is out there, you know? Yeah. Like, Day to day, so I think that's a very like unique thing that they have to deal with. So. Oh, I think so. Mm. Give me, an, give me an, okay. So, what's has there ever been an embarrassing moment? It's one of the questions I ask. Has <laughs> there been an embarrassing moment where you've met someone and thought, "Oh shit, Ned, what have I just done?" Uh, 
I can't think of anything. Probably has. I'm sure I've said lots of things. And everyone's like, <laughs> funny. Um, you, we, we have things like where you, we've done like content a long time ago. Like there's no memory card in the camera or whatever. Oh, and then respect you. Yeah, yeah like someone's come up to me afterwards and was like, oh, we didn't get any of that. It happens. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, wow. And you, and you don't get that time again, you know? Like, you can't be like, uh, can we start all over again? Like, no. And you, there's always a way to salvage something, but I guess that's embarrassing. But I've never really, I don't know, I'm sure I've, like, I've said things and, like, got the stat wrong or got just completely, they've gone, oh, that's not true, or, like, oh, that's wrong. And then you feel like, you feel an idiot because you should have done your research. Like, yeah. oh, we've got to try and prep and prepare before you do everything. And I think that's another danger of like the internet, isn't it? You read something yeah. and it's completely wrong, but you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's true. Like fake news, you know? Yeah, and then, true. But then you're sitting down with the actual person and you mention it and they're like, oh no, that's just complete nonsense. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> I, I, never, I never did that. I never like... <laughs> so things like that, but uh, no, touch wood, I've never had anything too like awkward or maybe call someone by the wrong name or something like that. Ooh, happens. Yeah. What's, what's been the most sort of um, interesting moment or like what's the highlight of your career? Like have you played in a certain stadium that you've loved or played with a player that you love? What's, yeah. what's a memory that you thought that really sticks out? I mean, for me, like two pinnacle moments are like I did something with David Beckham and did something with Cristiano Ronaldo because they were genuinely like my like, boyhood heroes. You yeah. know? Like, um, Experience-wise, I've been lucky enough to do so many cool experiences like getting like that insider access to like a football club or a stadium or how a footballer would live. Like I remember we were doing something with Nike a long time ago at St. George's Park where they treated us like how they treat the England team for three wow. days. We got to like coach, we got trained, we got to do like mental sessions, we got to play a match, like Howard Webb refereed the match. Oh, wow. Like all these things like, and just to see what it was like to like live like an elite footballer for a couple of days, you know? Um, how was it? Incredible, like really enjoyed it. Like, and, just gave you a buzz for it, you know, you just wanted to like, like wow, this is the best thing in the world to do that. Like, yeah. especially if you love football and you want to play, like, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, and then I got to play at Old Trafford, like, once as well through, like, a media day, you know, like, so you play in football at Old Trafford. I scored more goals than Alexis Sanchez at Old Trafford last season. You so. <laughs> <laughs> won the game. Uh, yeah, just, just real, like, wow moments like that. And I love going to events as well, like, sporting events, you know, like World Cup final. Yeah. Like, that's something, like, when you're a kid, like, that's the pinnacle of football, isn't it? So that's amazing. Things like that, I really like, and I don't take that for granted. Like, I really love that, and I think that's something I would do anyway. You know, like I would travel to watch. I do travel to watch football all the time with my friends. You know, like we just, yeah. that's what we want to do. I want to go see a random team in a random stadium and just experience that kind of fan culture. You know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, things like that for me are just incredible. Last week you went to the Arsenal game, right? I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they Adidas gave you these beautiful boxes uh -huh. with these padlocks. Yes. What was in the box? So that's the new Predator. So it was in there, was it? Yeah, yeah. So that's something we did as like a kind of marketing campaign with Adidas where the boot was the... So every product... And this is, I think, this is sometimes really interesting because I don't know if consumers understand the industry like how we could see the industry. And I think this is something I learned when I got in it. Like, you know when something sells out, yeah. you think it's going to come back. You're like, oh yeah, well, I'll just get it. When it people message all the time, oh, when are you going to get this boot again? They, when they're gone, they're gone. Like, they don't make these boots forever, you know? And wow. I think even more so now, like, I think maybe like Copa Mundial. Like, yep. It just evergreen. You're always gonna be able to get a pair of Copa Mundial. <laughs> yeah, of but like these boots now, like they come and they go, and then they are gone. Um, so everything has like a release date and an embargo. It's very like political. Yeah. But so what that was is we gave people the boots early, but in a padlocked box, so they could talk about the box. That, but then the padlock would unlock at the PR time, yeah. so then they could be the first to unbox it. That's sure. amazing. So yeah, that's very what clever. Yeah, it's kind of cool. We worked with like, an agency on that. So. In yeah. well, can I ask a question? Right? right, this is this is me now asking. Yeah. Last year I bought another pair of Preds, okay. right? Okay, and I bought them the same. I bought them as size eight. Yeah, they were too tight. Yeah, why? The, why? Why has the size changed? Why? Why do I now need to buy an eight and a half? It depends on the last. 
like how the products have been manufactured. Yeah. Depends on the material of the upper. Mm -hmm. All these sole plate might have changed. So all these little things, and I think yeah, that's so important. And this is something I always try and tell people is buy the boots or buy the footwear and trainers running everything that fits your foot type, not what talks to you in the marketing sense. Yes. Because you see the player that you like, you think, oh, I, I, I play like Mesut Ozil, so I'm going to get what the boot Mesut Ozil was. <laughs> Reality is you're probably not playing like Mesut Ozil. <laughs> so finding something that fits your feet is so important, you know, like, and each type of boot, the reason they make so many different types and different styles of boot is because there's different types of feet out there, you know. So there is some like a lot of science and a lot of data goes into finding like why they are that certain shape and that fit. So. All right, a get great bit of consumer advice then. How can we find out what are the best boots for us? Best thing to do, I think, is literally try them on, which is not as this is more obvious with online and things like that. People are shopping online, but yeah, buy a few and return them. You know, like literally, get, you got to get them on your feet. Yeah. That's the only way you'll truly know like what product fits you because. I mean, I think you kind of begin to know what kind of foot you have. You have a wide foot. You know roughly your size in, but you can't beat trying them on. Honestly, that is the no, best okay. thing to do. Or go into a shop and literally say, "Hey, I can I try four or five of these on? I want to put them on my feet." It's quite annoying because you've got to get your football socks. I know, I know, and I know, you want to, you know, <laughs> do you wear one sock or two? Socks? We see it like in the. We have the store in just off Carnaby Street, and people will bring like their shin pad. <laughs> they'll, they'll bring their get up for a game. Yeah, but I think that's cool. You know, why like, not? Why not? Like, why would you have an ill-fitting piece of equipment? Like. If you're a car, had a problem, you wouldn't just ignore it, would you? You know, like you have to get it serviced, you have to get looked at. Same thing, you got to treat like if you are a footballer, if you're serious about running or whatever, yeah. you need things that like functional properly for it's you. True, yeah. you wouldn't put on the wrong size tires on your car. Exactly, on your tire. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I get it. So, yeah, try things on. That's all you got to do. Yeah. All right. So some questions. Yep. Okay. Ah, here we go, Ned. Here we go. Okay. Uh, We've discussed your favourite pair of boots, right? So yeah. we know those the, the ones that stick out when you were a child. Yeah. So what are they called again? Uh, Predator Accelerator. Yeah. Predator Accelerator. Um, which player had, has had the most banter with you? Like, what, what? Uh, players are good, like, honestly. Okay, who specifically is really good value on a shoot? Um, I love Ian Wright. Like, for me, <laughs> Ian Wright is, I mean, obviously, retired now, but he is... Honestly, like he's like everyone's uncle. Like, everyone, <laughs> and he's done so much for this kind of this kind of creator community and mm. all the guys that are involved with producing content. He gives you your time. He he helps people. He elevates other channels. He really has embraced the kind of social media culture. Yeah. And even though he is an older footballer, he's somebody that has seen the value in that. So that's why he's now connected to a new generation of people because he took the time and the effort to kind of. Oh, I don't know anything about. I remember setting up a Snapchat account for Ian Wright, like in the Euros. Really? Like we were just, we just together and I was like, oh, you've seen it. He didn't know anything about it, but he was willing to learn yeah. and embrace it. And I think that, yeah, Ian is such a like, top guy. Like I can't say enough like positive things about how he used to work with nice. and the energy he brings to something. And he's yeah, just, he's on it. Like, yeah. And he's, and he's, he's down, he's willing to sort of. Oh, completely. He, like, he'll give you all the time in the world. Like he's so, yeah, Ian is like a ledge. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the young players are all cool as well. Like I, I can't, Genuinely, yeah, I can't really think of a player that's been a nightmare. No, but nice. They all, they all seem really down to earth as well. Like a lot of them seem a lot gra more grounded now as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think maybe social is part of the reason why they're like that because it you can represent yourself better yeah. if you wanted to. If you want to be out there and you want to show people kind of a bit more of your personality, you can. And I think that's something that I always look at this with US sports and UK sports. Football is still quite traditional in a lot of sense. Like if someone puts a video up of them dancing or whatever, like they might get criticised, like, oh, you should be, should be training. Yeah. <laughs> but if you look at like the NBA, yeah. and you see like a massive thing in the NBA now is like, what do they wear to the game? Like, and the NBA official channel will cover it. Wow. And like, it's like a cat catwalk, like yeah. fashion show every time that the guys get there. But I can imagine in football that would still be seen as, oh, that's really negative. Yeah, of course. But 
it's a way of them expressing their personality. It's a way of them kind of showing who they are a little bit away from the game. Because well, not as people want to see, no. One hundred percent. And also, you forget that they are not just tools to be put on a game and like entertain you. No, they are genuine people as well. Yeah, you know? They have their own ways. They want to do stuff. So. Yeah, they're not all lemmings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, what's been your toughest challenge? Just in general, it doesn't have to be like it could be as a child or anything. I think uh, working out what you want to do when you find your passion like how do you get into that industry like breaking down the doors to make a connection yeah and i'm a big believer that like it's cliche to say but you need to grow your network like 100 percent. so i think before i didn't know how to kind of i didn't know how to harness my passion like, i knew i was really passionate about something yeah but i didn't know what i wanted to do i didn't know how to get into that space and in a way i was a little bit lucky with that kind of like you created your own yeah. luck right yeah, definitely. You have to like, I, I say that when people say, oh, oh, you're lucky. I'm like, well, yes, but I also am lucky for a reason. You know, yeah. like, it didn't just happen one day. Um, so, yeah, I think that at the time is like not knowing where to go mm. and not knowing how to progress. And I think now my biggest challenge is like, how do you kind of keep progressing yourself and how do you keep developing and what's the next step for me and things like that. So I always maybe struggle to kind of harness down like a progression plan like for myself because you can't do this forever. You know, you can't just go around doing <laughs> content every day you want to kind of eventually grow you want to grow as a person as well yeah. you can't just uh no matter if something's so enjoyable you'll never just you can't just stay at a level you no, need to right. keep progressing you need to keep what's next like, yeah how do i keep evolving and how do i keep growing so yeah finding that like kind of direction i've always struggled with i guess fair enough um what's the best piece of advice you've received best piece of advice i've received um i feel like i've got something but i've forgotten it okay. but um <laughs> I know, like, but i think they're definitely just you got to try things. You have to do things. Yeah. Like put yourself out there, and it's never been easier to do something that you love. And that's something that I've been lucky to do that by going out there and just kind of making content and putting my own stuff on my channels and things like that. So just try something. Like, that's you such have a good, to do it. That's such a good shout. You just said like it's so hard to do something that you love. Like mm -hmm. it's so hard to do something that you love and find a way to make it sustainable so you can yeah. live from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're so true. Yeah, how do you monetize something or how do you turn your knowledge into an income stream? Yeah. Um, and never be afraid to ask, you know, like just say, can I come do that? Yeah. Can I, can I meet you? Can we can come to someone's DMs and stuff like that and say, hey, I love what you're doing. And um, always give time to the people around you that are showing interest yeah. because you never know like that. I think this is something quite interesting to see on social. Like people obviously want to have, say you want to have a thousand followers or you want to have a hundred thousand followers. There might be 10, 15 people that are already messaging you and you're ignoring them. Yeah. You're not even replying to them. <laughs> like, That's true. So how can you expect, why do you want a community of like a hundred thousand people? If there's 20 people that are trying to engage with you yeah. and you're just not even responding to them. Maybe because you're looking at them and go, oh, they've got no value to me. They've got 50 followers or whatever. He's got 50 followers and they might have 50 followers. And yeah. It's like a whole thing. So, I mean, followers is such a, Oh, low no, level thing to look at but I mean in terms of like a network and you want to so if, if someone's trying to engage with you they're asking you a question engage back go back to them 100% so I always try and reply to like anyone that asks me a question or anything like that and I mean I only have a small following but if someone shows an interest in you you've got to like reciprocate like also, your following is really engaged with you. There's a difference. Yeah. Like, I've noticed your following is engaged. People that follow you, follow you. Yeah. And, like, they're engaged with what you're doing and they love your stories and they, uh -huh. they're sort of, they aren't, they're on your journey. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't just have followers for the sake of followers. No, you have no, followers no. because. And make a lot of good contacts from that social as well, you know? Like, there's people that I'm probably quite good friends with, but I've maybe even never met, you know? Yeah, exactly. But I love hearing what they do. Like, we share advice and you can see what they're doing as well. So, 
I use it as a great tool to just grow my own network. I think that's so important. Like you need to have good people around you. Like you yeah. can't do everything by yourself. So for don't sure. be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to say, hey, like, teach me. Yeah. Like, need people, a mentor, need a mentor. People love to give advice. Yeah. And people love to know that they, they're, they're being asked for their knowledge and wisdom. Yeah, 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 yeah. It makes you feel good, right? If someone messaged you and says, I love what you're doing, like, yeah. how did you do it? And I think that's, you'll learn that as well. People want to help. Yeah, like, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, all right, so some quick fire questions, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I know this one. Liverpool, Man United. Manchester United. Whoa. Messi or Ronaldo? Cristiano Ronaldo. Who's going to win the Champions League? Oh, painfully, probably Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Really, you think that? At the moment, they're unstoppable, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Texting or talking? Texting. Favourite day of the week? Sunday, play football. Nice, you yeah. Sunday, yeah, okay. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or speak to animals? Oh, language in the world all day. Nice, okay. Say a word in Spanish. Hola. Every single time. <laughs> what does a person need to be happy? People around them, like friends. Mm. Yeah. Like good, com- like good yeah, people yeah, around yeah. them. Yeah, I think that's so important. Having good people around you that you can talk to and support. Yeah. And also, so that you can support them as well. You need that's it both shot. ways. I like that a lot. Savory and sweet, savory or sweet? Oh, I'm terrible with sweet, like terrible. So sweet then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it sweets or chocolate then? Sweets, I think. Sweet, like Haribo's. Percy Pigs. Oh, Percy, P- <laughs> Percy They're Pig. like crack. <laughs> crack for the adults. Now, like, obviously you get them from M&S. I, I have an electric car. I go to the petrol station just to buy Percy Pigs. Because <laughs> it's like, you love it. crazy, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, sweets. Three words of advice. So, like, one of mine I live by every day is action, right? Mm-hmm. So, if, I, if, you know, if you believe you want to do something, you've got to go out and do it. Yeah. Three words that you think sort of people should not live, not they should live by, but what you believe people could learn from or do every day to get to where they want to get to. Okay. Discipline. Yeah. Got to be disciplined. Um, it's so easy to kind of go off track and um, just not focus on your goals. So, like, discipline, consistency. Yeah. Got to keep doing it. You can't just put out one piece of content, I'm using content as an example, and just think, oh, that's done now. You have to be, whatever you want to do, do it frequently. Do it yeah. until it's like second nature have to be consistent with what you do and then probably thirdly patience patience got to be very patient with what you do like something's not just going to happen overnight you have to really grind at this kind of stuff and yes people do sometimes blow up overnight but what you haven't seen is how many hours and stuff they put in in the background of course i think like joe wicks is a really good example of that if you look at body Mm. coach stuff he often talks about how he was doing these boot camps and no one would come yeah and now he's doing like guinness world record workouts and things like that you know (laughs) so yeah patience consistency and uh, discipline. I like that. Mm. And it's true. And, and consistency with um, patience come hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. And that goes with hard work because yeah. it's hard work to be consistent. 100%. Yeah. But if you're consistent, that is what I would look as, as hard work. Mm. And then if you're consistent and you have patience, well, that's a winning formula. Yeah. Because it will happen. Like, it will always happen. If you're consistent and patient, it will happen. Yeah, I think that's, people want results quicker than ever in this kind of world, don't yeah. they? You see everything on social and... You see like how quick things change but yeah you have to be really f- just take your time with what you want to do and i think eventually that will come to you you will attract yeah. these things to you like i'm definitely a believer of like positive thinking as well so will these things into existence you know as kind of silly as that sounds if you have that positive attitude towards something yeah. you will get rewarded like yes, people gravitate to you like 100 percent like it's amazing how many times you think about something, yeah. think about, think about, and it, it happens. Is that because then you want because you want it so bad? Like you want it so much, 
you think like it's got to happen, it's got to happen. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, and it happens. Yeah, I think maybe it's not even a want. It's because you're probably making more positive actions towards it. Yes. Like if you're thinking about it, it's on your mind. Mm -hmm. You might do that one small thing, like you go the extra mile because like, oh yeah, that might help. And then all these little like marginal gains, yeah. all these little things will add up that will make this stuff happen for you. 100%. Yeah, I love that. Mm. Guys, we've had Ned Ozkazim on the couch. Thank you so pleasure. much. Thanks for having it's me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Guys, if you like the content, give it a thumbs up. Um, I'll put all of Ned's details below. Guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all soon.